We are in Philippians chapter 4. If you turn there, Philippians chapter 4, moving through the book of Philippians. And while you're turning there, I just want to say, if you're a mom, could you stand up so we could just acknowledge you? Moms, don't be embarrassed. All right. Amen. Like uh, Bill said, we greatly appreciate you. Um, without you, we wouldn't be here, obviously. And uh, just your sacrifices each and every day, that you're not just moms, but you're your chefs, your chauffeurs, your nurses, your accountants, your everything. And so um, you're queen for a day. So men, treat, treat your moms, treat your wives really good today. And guys, no dishes for mom today. Just put them in the sink, she'll do them on Monday. You know she'd do it too, right? Well, I, before we get into the study, I want to be able to say uh, Happy Mother's Day to my mom. Happy Mom's Day, Mom. And Happy Mother's Day to my wife and to my daughter and my daughter's-in-law. And, and just uh, have a, a blessed day. And, and uh, so as we move through the scriptures today, we see two ladies who are probably two moms. And they're having a little bit of a disagreement. And so uh, let's get into Philippians chapter 4. We're looking at verses 1 through 4 today. Philippians 4 is kind of broken up in three sections. The first section would be 1 through 4. So let's read that. Chapter 4, verse 1 of Philippians. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore you, Udi, I implore Sintuke to be the same mind in the Lord, and I urge you also, true companion, to help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Father, we thank you for the Word of God, and we pray that today that you would work in our hearts, Lord God, to bring forth the unity that you've called the church to be, to be unified, one body, one spirit. We ask that you bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, we so often want God's grace for ourselves, but we don't want God's grace for someone else that we might be mad at. So often we want justice for the person that wronged us, but oh Lord, be patient with me. And here we've got this crazy situation. Two women fighting. Now, of course, it's 2,000 years ago, two women fighting in the church. You wouldn't hear about that today. But we got two prominent women of the church going at each other. And so I titled the message today, Fix it. I think that God is telling every one of us that there's something in our life that we need to fix. And there's some relationship that maybe is broken of a friend, of a family member, even a spouse, even a child. And as a child of God, God is telling you to go fix it. These two women were prominent in the church. He lifts them up. 
He starts out with beloved, long for, my joy, my crown, stand fast. He says that these two women worked side by side with him. And he's, he's calling out for others to come alongside and help. And sometimes we need to have somebody else come alongside and say, listen, brother, you need to fix this relationship with this person because it's causing division. No doubt this was causing division. And, and Paul caught word of it. How's that? Paul's in Rome in jail and he finds out. I mean, it's like a, I think it was like a three-month journey to get from Philippi to Rome just for him to get the news of these two women. And it meant so much to him, he writes a letter back. Now you got to understand, Epaphroditus brings this letter back and he's going to read it before the whole church. Can you imagine? I mean, let's just, let's, let's just try to go back 2,000 years and say it's our church. And, and here comes this, uh, this woman named Iwadia and this woman, Sentuki. And they're, they're, they're prominent in the church. They're hard workers. They, they're a blessing. But now they're at odds. And there's division. I can't even picture it. Can you? And so, Eodia comes in on this side of the church with her camp. And they all sit over here on this side. And then Suntuki comes in with her camp and they all sit over here. And then everybody that's in the middle here, they don't have a clue what's going on. It's probably a good thing. Right? And so, you know, Sintuki and Eudea, you know, they're with their posse and they're just, oh, praise the Lord. It's going to be a great day. It's such a beautiful day. Great to worship. The worship was great. And then Bill gets up to do the announcements. And Bill says, good morning, church. Good morning, Calvary Chapel. Uh, got, got a real treat for you today. The Apostle Paul sent us a letter. Everybody goes, oh, the Apostle Paul, he's just so, you know, Sintuki, Eudea. They're just like, oh, hallelujah, he's such a spiritual man. Can't wait to hear the letter. And then Bill starts reading the letter, and it's good stuff. Be confident in this very thing that he's begun the good work will complete it in you, and, and, and don't do anything with selfish ambitions, and let's, let's press on towards the mark, the high calling. Leave the baggage behind and press on ahead. You know, and they're probably just going, oh, praise the Lord. And then they get to, therefore, my beloved. Oh, Paul, you're, we're your beloved. And my, my long for, my brethren, my joy, my crown. Stand fast in the Lord. And, and then all of a sudden it says, I implore you, Adia, and I implore Sintuki that you be of the same mind in the Lord. And all of a sudden, Eodia and Sintuki just start kind of sinking in their chair. All of a sudden, everybody turns and looks at them. Next thing you know, her posse moves to the center. Her posse moves to the center. They're sitting by themselves. Why did Paul do this? Because a house divided can't stand. And how are we supposed to have revival if we're divided? We are supposed to settle our differences because why? Because God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Who has the ministry of reconciliation? Every single one of you. And when you've been reconciled unto God, when he's looked past your junk and reconciled you unto himself. Who are we to stand in the way of healing a relationship? You know, contention always comes with pride. The Bible tells us that. It's pride 
on the behalf of one involved or the pride of both. But God has created us in His image, and He says we are to have the mind of Christ. And when Christ reached out to you in your trespasses and sin and was willing to reconcile you unto Himself, who are we to say, I'm not talking to that person anymore? And especially a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ. We are to be Christ-like, have the mind of Christ. We are to bring forth healing. Look how he, he opens up this letter with so much love. Look at how much love Paul has for me. He says, therefore, my, my beloved here in this section. He's closing up the letter, but he, he, he starts with this, my beloved, I long for brethren, my joy, my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Now, I like what he does here. He comes in and he talks about how much he loves them. He, he, he gives them truth, and then he builds them back up again. And that's the beauty of the grace and truth, the love and truth. That's how Christ wants us to be. Moses came bringing the law. The law will never forgive. The law can't forgive. The law doesn't love. The love it doesn't, it doesn't have grace. It's the law. It's here's how it is. When you break it, you've broken it. Moses came bringing the law. Jesus came bringing grace and truth. Love and truth. He loves you so much, but He's going to be truthful with you, and some of us need to change. Some of us need to lay aside our pride and go fix that relationship that God is calling you to fix. And, and I'll tell you what. No, I'm not even going to say it. God wants us to fix our relationships. He calls them His beloved. Isn't Jesus our beloved? And He calls us His beloved? He says, my beloved and long for brethren. What, what the tender heart of Paul right here. That he longs for them. That they're His beloved. That they are my joy and my crown. So stand fast together in the Lord, beloved. That's the kind of love that God wants us to have for everyone in the body of Christ. He wants us to have that love for others that don't know Christ. To have a love for the lost, to lead them to Jesus Christ, but especially to have a love for those in the body of Christ that we will do whatever it takes to heal a situation at all costs. Because we don't want any division in the body of Christ. We don't want any separation. We don't want our pride to well up. If God can forgive me, I can forgive anyone. Amen? He says, my joy and my crown. In 1 Thessalonians 2.19, Paul says this to the Thessalonians. He says, for what is our hope our, or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. Paul was looking forward to the day that he stood in the presence of the Lord and he saw the church of Philippi standing there and he could just say, oh, they're my joy. They're my crown. Because he was like, in a sense, a spiritual father to them. He, he in a sense, he birthed that church. He loved those people. He encouraged. He poured in. And there's nothing better than when you see someone that you poured into go on to live successfully for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a joy in your heart. You're like, someone's listening. Sometimes I go home on a Sunday afternoon and I'm like, is anybody listening? I feel like quitting sometimes. 
That's the enemy. Monday I repent and I sign back up. But sometimes I just feel like no one's hearing me. Lord, is anybody listening? But see, that's not my job whether you're listening or not. My job is to deliver the message. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit gives us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. He says there in verse 1, to stand fast. The idea is to stand fast. It's a warrior term. It's to stand fast even in the face of death. Nowhere in the Bible does it say retreat for a Christian. We're to stand fast. We're to walk. We're to run our race. Finish well. The idea is I ain't going down without a fight. And you need to have that idea in your head when it comes to healing relationships in your own life. Like, you know, we have such great info input to tell other people how to fix a relationship but when it comes to someone that we're dealing with in our life we don't want to listen to anybody anybody when what they have to say and so we put those things off we keep putting a spouse off we keep putting a family member off we keep putting a child off we keep putting a friend off we keep putting a brother and sister off in the church we need to fix our situations and heal it and restore that's why I said last week that everybody that you're mad at, they go to the other service. We, we, I, I'm just joking, okay? God, don't get all serious on me, okay? I, I, it, my point is this, is that we would rather go to the other service than to fix our problem. See, if these things don't get fit, Paul knows that they're going to lead to divisions and split in the church of the Philippi. People will start leaving. Now, let me just say this. There are divisions in the church that are healthy. There are divisions in the church that the church shouldn't lose sleep over. Those who cause divisions, those with come in with false doctrines, those who... Uh, don't get their way, they don't like the way someone looked at them or said something, and they start causing little skirmishes in, in the church. And if that's not going to get fixed, if those people aren't going to change and they want to keep pumping false doctrine into the church and they want to keep pumping strife into the church, then, then those divisions are good. That's a healthy division. And God does those things. When he sees his church being attacked by false doctrine, when he sees his church, there are people in the fellowship that are trying to cause division because they didn't get their way or they don't like somebody. Or they got in an argument and it didn't turn out the way they wanted. If that doesn't get fixed, God will remove those people from the fellowship for the sake of the church. Why? Because we want revival, don't we? We want revival. Now, it hurts when people leave. It hurts when there's division. And it breaks our hearts sometimes when people leave, but sometimes it's a necessary thing. Spurgeon said he called it blessed subtractions. Though we don't want anybody to leave, and though it hurts when somebody that we love and care for it has an argument with someone else, and they leave the church, and God says, listen, a little leaven will leaven the whole lump, and if I don't remove these certain people out of the church, how's revival going to come? Because we, we, we got to be on the same page. Revival starts with me. Revival starts with you. It's not me or you trying to fix everybody else, but it's everybody saying revival starts with me. Lord, I want to get right with you. I want to get close to you. I want to see revival come to the church. I want to see revival come to Kauai. 
But see, sometimes God has to clean house a little bit. And there's certain divisions that we shouldn't lose sleep over. Now, the sad reality is that there are divisions that take place that shouldn't happen. And it's because it happens is because it's carnal. It's carnality. It's carnality. And that's what's happening here. It doesn't even say it's a doctrinal issue. It's just that people with two different opinions. And sometimes when people with two different opinions want to stand their ground so bad that they cause a division. You can be so right, you're dead right, you ruin the relationship. And God wants you to settle that. Yeah, but you know what? I'm right and they're wrong. And then they're on the other side of town saying, you know what? I'm right and he's wrong. You remember when Paul and Barnabas got into it? In the book of Acts? Paul says, hey, Barnabas, let's go check out the churches that we planted. It'd be awesome. And Barnabas is like, that sounds great. I'll go tell Mark. And Paul's like, no, you ain't bringing that guy. He dug out on us. When things got tough, he split. No way. He ain't going with us. And Barnabas is like, he's going with us. And Paul's like, no, you ain't bringing him with me. And he goes, fine, fine, fine. (laughs) And Paul digs out with Silas and Barnabas digs out with Mark. So who was right, Paul or Barnabas? Yeah, they both were. Paul knew, and if you read Paul's second missionary journey with Silas, Mark wouldn't have made it. He would have dug out again. But Barnabas was right too because we're supposed to restore and encourage and pour into people even when they fail. Is there a Barnabas in your life that picked you up when you were down? And so we can have these disagreements that aren't necessarily sin, but if we don't deal with them, it can cause division and destroy a church. And Paul, Paul gets this news that this is what's leading to in this very church. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What does that mean? That means you're to put yourself last in the situation and be more concerned with others. But I'm right. Put yourself last. Come on. Jesus reconciled you unto Himself in all of your sins and your trespasses. Hello. What did He ever do to you? But what did you do to Him? And He extends the arm. Who are we not to extend the arm? To somebody else. But I'm right. Extend your arm. Take the back seat. Get on the back burner. Die to yourself. <laughs> Pick up the cross. And go extend your arm. We've got to put ourselves last in these situations for the sake of the church. Get your pride out of the way. Oh gosh, that's so hard to do, isn't it? I'm prideful. Are you? No? Nobody said amen. Isn't it funny how quick our pride can rise up? Oh, we could, we could be doing so good and then something happens. And God says, you know what? Put yourself last and fix the situation. The dispute we see here wasn't doctrinal issues, but disputes that we shouldn't divide over. You know, silly stuff. Doctrinal issues, that makes sense. Somebody's got a weird bent on the Scriptures that's not of God and they continue to campaign that in this church, we've we've got to deal with that. 
But there's a lot of stuff, most stuff that people will stop associating themselves with someone else in the body of Christ is stupid stuff that's not worth separating. Listen, I'm going to tell you a true story. Check this out. Big church in Texas. True story. They split. The church split in half. Hatfields and the McCoys. I don't know what their name was, but I mean, it split in half. And here's what happened. Since the property in the building was all paid off, each half was going to sue the other for the control of the property. Can you imagine what the unbelieving world thinks of believers when they see that? And so they are actually in a courtroom battling out who gets the property, who gets the church, who gets the land, who gets all the stuff. And when the judge got right down to the root of the problem, what started the whole thing, check this out. They were having a church dinner and an elder sat down and he looked to the guy next to him and that guy had a bigger piece of ham than he had. You're like, no way. Yes way. It started a little conflict. It started a little riff. It started to bring up other things. Next thing you know, you got two camps and you got a church split. And Satan loves that kind of stuff. He loves that kind of stuff. I'm to stand back and not fight for the issues for my own satisfaction. But I'm to fight for the other person to bring peace. But, but Pastor Steve, you're not wrong. Oh, well, I'm going to humble myself and extend an arm of peace for the sake of the other person. I don't, I don't have to be right. I just want healing. I don't have to prove my case. I just want healing. Every one of us is given the ministry of reconciliation, and, and so I'm called to reconcile, even if it means I humble myself and I shut up and I bite my tongue, and, but I, I tell that person I love them and I don't want this rift between us because it can get worse. I don't have to win the argument. We may not see eye to eye, but we're not going to divide over it. We're not going to allow division in the church over it. People divide over issues where nobody is necessarily right or wrong. It's just a different view, and Satan loves that. He loves to come in and stir up the trouble in the church. He loves to get our pride involved. But according to the Word of God, you and I are called to reach out and fix situations. I don't care if you're right. I don't care if you're wrong. I don't care if you're both wrong. I don't care if you're both right. Fix the situation. But coming to church and ignoring each other, you can't do that. Passing each other out in the community and just ignoring it. You can't, you're children of God. What kind of ammo are we giving unbelievers? And these ladies needed to get this situation fixed. They needed to reach out to each other. Why? Because they're sisters in Christ. And you've got to fix the situation in your life because that's your brother. And that's what Christianity is all about. Now, there are always those that have to have the last word in an argument. There are always those who have to come out on top at the risk of division. And that's carnality. We're called to be different. We're called to be Christ-like. We're called not to divide. I'm, I'm determined I'm not dividing because just because I don't like what you said to me. I'm determined that I'm not dividing because I didn't like the way you talked to me. I didn't like the way you're doing things. I don't like the way you act. That's usually how it starts. 
But we've got to determine in our hearts that we are not going to let Satan get a foothold. And we are going to humble ourselves for the sake of the kingdom. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. It's not always about getting your way. I, I, I want it God's way. I don't want it my way. I want it God's way. I want unity in the church. I want love in the church. I want peace. I want joy amongst the church people for the sake of the kingdom and for God to be able to use us all in a mighty, powerful way to see revival come. We are to be other-centered and not self-centered. Even if you're in the right. You know, one of the things I always want to do is, is when people get upset and they leave, and even if I'm not wrong, and even if I was right, I continue to extend an arm out, a hand to them, in love, to heal the relationship. Whether they want to reach back or not, I'm going to keep reaching, because that's what we're called to do. But they wronged you. I don't care. Look how much God's done for me. I'm going to keep reaching out. I want to heal this relationship. And praise God that time does heal a lot of relationships. If these ladies would have honored God in the beginning, they would, they would have put each other first. If they would have put each other first in this whole situation, none of this riff would have happened. Why? Because Matthew 18 tells us what to do. Now, Matthew 18 is probably one of the mis most misused scriptures in the Bible because most people won't use Matthew 18 unless it works for them. <laughs> I think I heard one person say amen. Matthew 18, 15 says this, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. You want me to read that again? What, what does that mean? If these ladies had a, the problem, they should have gone to each other alone and worked it out. Not get camps, not get posses, not, not go tell all your friends. Because here's the thing, you go tell all your friends, oh, so-and-so did this to me, and your friends love you, so they get in your camp. And it gets worse. It says to go to your brother and tell him his fault between you and him alone. What's that mean? Don't Facebook it. Don't Instagram. No TikTok. No Snapchat. No tweeting. Go to him alone. That's what a true believer does. And if he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he will not hear... Take with you two or more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word will be established. What does that mean? If your brother won't listen to you, gone to him alone. You haven't told anybody. You just went to him. If he won't listen, go find one or two people that are a little more spiritual than you, people that aren't interested in taking his side, people that just want to see restoration and healing come, and take them. Now, if he refuses to hear them, then tell it to the church. What does that mean? Bring them up in front of the church and fry them in front of everybody? No. Unfortunately, I've seen that happen on this island where they just like, they bring someone up in sin and roast them in front of the whole church. And it's crazy. And you know what? Everybody turns out for, more people turn out for the roasting than they do for the actual service. Because they want to hear the dirt so they can go spread it. That's not what this is saying. It's saying go to the church means then go to the elders, the leaders of the church. And if he 
refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be like a heathen or a tax collector. So you and I are called to come along the warring party and to fix it. I don't care if you're right. I don't care if you're wrong. Fix it. Fix it. Now, don't raise your hand. Is there anybody here in church, in the house of God, that, you have, that you're at odds with right now? Go to them in the ministry of reconciliation. Put yourself last and fix it. Because it's bigger than you. It's bigger than that person. It's all about Jesus. Do it for Him. Do what He would have us to do. Psalm 133.1 says, Behold how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's what God wants. Love, unity. Guys, we are facing a nutty world right now. We need to link arms together for the sake of the kingdom. And I'm not even saying any of you have these problems, but this is good stuff. Because you might have a problem this week, and, and I want you to deal with it properly. God wants healing in the body of Christ because the more we're unified, the more He can use us. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest any anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springs up, cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. If we don't get a handle on our disputes, it could cause great problems. In verse 3, he says, I urge you also, to true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And so it's interesting here what Paul does. He comes in with love on verse 1, and then he speaks truth, verse 2, and then he builds up these two women, verse 3. And then he says their names are in the book of life. Is your name in the book of life? What's the book of life? If you're of God, your name will be in the book of life. In Psalm 69, David, angry at his enemies, says this, check it out. Add iniquity to their iniquity and let them not come into your righteousness. Like, how would you like, don't get on the wrong side of David. This is scripture that's like Holy Spirit breathed, right? And he says to the Lord, they're sinners, make them bigger sinners. And let them not come into your righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. Wow. That's heavy. So here's the question, and don't shout out. Can you be blotted out of the book of life? Exodus 32.32, Moses, speaking on behalf of Israel, who has been in sin, God's ready to just smoke them. And Moses says, Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, 
But if not, I pray you blot me out of your book, which you have written. Wow. Moses interceding for the people of Israel says, Lord, if you won't forgive them, then blot me out of your book. Wow. I love you guys, but not that much. <laughs> Two men in the Bible did that. Paul and Moses. Paul said he would, he would wish himself to go to hell for all eternity if all Israel could be saved. Moses here interceding for the people. God was working in his heart. And he said, listen, if you're not going to forgive them, then take me out of your book. Wow. Can you be blotted out? Let's see. Revelation 3.5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. In other words, you are secure if you're trusting in Christ Jesus. But names can be blotted out of the book of life. Jesus just said so. Revelation 20.15 and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So there are names which are apparently blotted out of the book of life. Revelation 21, 27. But there shall be no means enter it, speaking of heaven, anything that defiles it or causes abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb's book of life? You mean there's a book of life and the Lamb's book of life? What's going on here? Revelation 3.18, speaking about the Antichrist, says all who dwell on the earth will worship this Antichrist, will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of the life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. What's going on here? What is the book of life and what is the Lamb's book of life? The book of life is where names appear of all those that have life. Who created you? God. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, God created you. He knew your name before the foundations of the world. A book of life was there. Everybody's name's in that book until the age of accountability. At the age of accountability, you have to make a choice. When you understand who Christ is, what Jesus did for you, you choose him. If you choose him, your name stays in the book of life. If you reject him, your name's blotted out of the book of life. Well, then what's the Lamb's book of life? Check this out. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, your name goes from the book of life to the Lamb's book of life. It's kind of like a copy-paste, right, on your computer. You highlight your name over here in the book of life. You copy, bring it over here to the Lamb's book of life, paste, boom! It's in both places. But if your name's not in the Lamb's book of life, then your name's, name's not in the book of life. If your name's blotted out of the book of life, then it doesn't appear in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb's book of life is under the jurisdiction of Jesus Christ. The book of life is under the jurisdiction of the Father. 
If you give your life to Jesus Christ, your name's in the Lamb's book of life and cannot be blotted out of the book of life. Is that, is that clear? Okay. Well, let me close with this. God wants us to fix our problems. Fix it. At all cost. Why? Because your name's in the book of life. How did Paul know their names were in the book of life? Because he saw them. He served with them. He saw them reading their Bible. He saw them praying with people. He saw them serving others. He saw them. He worked with them side by side. Do you know people like that? You just know their names in the book of life? And because we are brothers and sisters, we've got to work out our problems. And what a glorious thing to have our name. Not only in the book of life, but in the Lamb's book of life. There's another book that you want. And I'll close with this. You've heard of John 3.16, Malachi 3.16. Malachi 3.16, John 3.16. Okay, that's how you're going to remember what I'm telling you right now. Malachi 3.16. There's a book of remembrance. Every time you think about Jesus, every time you talk about Jesus, every time you ponder of the things of Jesus, it's recorded in the book of remembrance. Every time you share the gospel, it's recorded. Every time you pray and worship, it's recorded. Every time you think of Jesus, it's recorded in the book of remembrance. And I encourage all of you, to build the most incredible library before you get there with thoughts about Jesus Christ. Amen? Because He's done so much for us. I pray that you will finish and finish well. Because why? He's worth it. Let's pray. Father, thank You for just the reminder, Lord God. We pray that You would uh, work in our hearts, Lord God. If there's someone here today that's at odds with somebody, that they would go to them alone and fix that situation, that we'd be unified as the body, one body, and that we'd be used mightily by you to bring revival to this North Shore, Lord God. And so, Lord, we just pray for strength. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, ask Him into your life right now. Say, Lord, I believe you're who you are. I believe you created all things and that you're the only way to eternal life. So forgive me of my sins. Pray right now. Save me, Lord. And if you just prayed that in your heart, you're a child of God. It's that simple. He made it so simple because he loves you so much. He wanted you with him. And for the rest of us, Lord God, give us strength to finish and to finish well. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you guys. Happy Mother's Day, ladies.